You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. A reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. I ask that you would uh, hear that again for the first time. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, uh, is Fred already exited? No, he's there. Well, Fred, I had sure missed that organ. And I, 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 I just, uh, the expertise of Fred and his sidekick, Charles, are just uh, uh, so dear to my heart and greatly missed, as all of you, to return to the Advent and to, and to stand in, in this pulpit is just uh, as trite as it may sound. It's just an honor, and it's, it's just a wonderful privilege. What a blessing to be here. <clears throat> I've noticed already that this morning many of you are telling me uh, that I'm uh, looking so well. And uh, <clears throat> I recall the old saying that there are, there are five stages in life, uh, childhood, youth, adulthood, middle age, and you're looking swell. <clears throat> but I, I get it. Uh, many of you, I, I may add, are looking, are looking so well, and, and, and very well indeed, which leads me already to introduce the themes of not only today's sermon, but for tomorrow, and that is simply this. And regardless of your age, regardless of what stage of life you're in, childhood, youth, adulthood, middle age, or you're looking so well, we should be ever mindful of the fact that life really is short and that there is a nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing more important than our relationship with God before whom we will all stand one day in, in judgment to be judged. It was, I was interviewing for this position that Andrew just talked about at Christ Chapel on Jupiter Island in February of 2017. <clears throat> a member of the, the search committee there asked me what the, the primary challenge of my ministry on Jupiter Island uh, might be. <clears throat> and I was prepared for that question because 16 years earlier, April 2001, I had read where a member of the search committee at that time had asked the, uh, my, my predecessor uh, at the chapel, had asked him what, had asked him, well, the same, the same question, uh, and that would be what would be the primary challenge uh, of your ministry here on Jupiter Island. Now, he had arrived from England, uh, and uh, he uh, knew very little about the people, and he talked for about 20 minutes or so uh, about his ministry in Cape Town uh, and in uh, Oxford and in uh, London. 
And there were two or three homeless questions, but then came the crunch one. Uh, and that is that, well, it's been real interesting to hear about the challenges that you've had in England, but what would be your challenge here on Jupiter Island? And after a, a silent prayer, <clears throat> he, found him, he found himself saying to the, uh, to the August body, uh, he said, I don't want to be too morbid about this, but after looking around the room, uh, I would say that the primary thrust of my ministry would be to prepare, prepare you to die. <clears throat> Well, 16 years hence, fast forward 16 years, sure enough, a member of the 2017 uh, search committee asked me what the primary challenge of my ministry would be, and I answered in almost identical words uh, as my predecessor, and that is prepared people to die. But I said with considerable emphasis that if, if I were standing in a group of nothing but young adults, I would say the exact same thing. Because the primary ministry of the church, properly understood, is to prepare people to die. Uh, the author of Hebrews uh, bequeathed to the church that, that one verse, he had a lot of wonderful verses, but this particular verse that is it's short, but it's, uh, it's dagger-like, it's a penetrating verse, chapter 9, verse 27, is appointed for men to die once, and after that, comes judgment. <clears throat> and I often use that when I send out birthday greetings. To <clears throat> <clears throat> but if, if that verse doesn't grab your attention, then Pascal is right to say that man's sensitivity to little things and insensitivity to greatest things are the mark of a strange disorder. Thomas Vincent, <clears throat> whom you may or may not know, he was an influential 17th century Puritan, and he was the author of a small volume called God's Terrible Voice in the City. And the volume is on the great 17th century plague in, in, in London. It was the last uh, epidemic of the bubonic plague uh, in, in London, in England, and it killed almost a fourth of the population in London in 16 months. <clears throat> and in this volume that he wrote, and you can still get it <clears throat> on uh, Amazon or wherever you look for things, uh, $1.99, I think. It's <clears throat> not expensive, but in this volume, he gives a description of the manner in which the brave and the faithful ministers who did not flee but remained in London uh, the manner in which they approached the pulpit and also the manner in which the terror-stricken multitudes hung desperately to every word that they preached. So if you would just hang in there for just a moment and let me read uh, while I quote from God's voice in the, in the city and see if this does not speak to you as, uh, as powerfully uh, as, it, as it did to me. <clears throat> then did they, that's the, fe the faithful preachers, Stand up on the midst of the dying and the dead to proclaim eternal life to men who were expecting death before the morrow. They did not stand upon nice points of ecclesiastical regularity or irregularity. They lifted up their voices like trumpets and spared not. Every sermon might be their last. 
The world was now passing away, vanishing, shadow, and man's days on earth had been cut down from threescore years and ten to the twinkling of an eye. Oh, how they preached. No polished periods, no learned arguments, no labored paragraph chilled their appeals or rendered their discourses unintelligible. Truly they preached as dying men to dying men. But the question is, Vincent concludes, should it ever be otherwise? Should there ever be less fervent in preaching and less eagerness uh, in hearing than it was then? Uh, It's for certain that life is uh, shorter then, but that was all. Uh, Death and all the issues surrounding around death are the same. Uh, The soul is the same. Uh, We are perhaps a few steps uh, farther from the shore of eternity, but we don't know that for sure. And so, dear people of God, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know when I'll preach from this pulpit again. <clears throat> well, actually, I do. Tomorrow I'm, I'm, <clears throat> tomorrow I'm scheduled to preach. But uh, I, I, my point is that I want to preach urgently and sincerely with no learned arguments, no, no, no labored paragraphs. I simply want to preach as a dying man to dying men and women. And I don't care what stage of life that you're in, I speak to you as, as if we only have one week to live because one day we will indeed have only one week uh, to live and, to, and where we'll stand before God. Now I'm fully aware that there are people who realize the shortness of death and who realize that their number could be called at any hour and who are not concerned about it. Uh, And I'm not talking about people who have gained great confidence in the promises of the gospel and who have not years ago uh, given their lives over to the mercies provided by our Savior. Uh, To you, I I would say, uh, God bless you. A A blessed assurance. I'm talking about people who are concerned because they think when uh, they weigh weigh their good deeds over and against that their bad deeds, that they come out okay. Uh, Not perfect, mind you, but okay. And if you ever hear anyone say to you, I may not be perfect, but, you know, get ready for it. It's more common than you think. It's called the old balance sheet idea of religion. You know, you take all the good deeds that you've done, you put it on one side of the scale. You take all the bad deeds that you've done, you put it on the other side of the scale, and you just pray that, it, that the scales tip your way. Uh, and and to these people are not concerned about death, think that their scales are, uh, will tip in a very positive way. And to you, I would say, uh, may God open your eyes to, to see the truth. On the flip side of this all, I'm fully aware there are people who are approaching the death and they are genuinely frightful. Uh, that they may be beyond the reach of God's saving embrace. Uh, that they may be uh, condemned to the depths of the earth because of the gravity of, of their sins. And to you, I would point out two things. First of all, you are a greater sinner than you think you are. And second, I point you once again to that single verse that I just read. It's one of those pearls of a great 
treasure. It's one of those precious verses that you come across sometimes in the Bible in which it seems that all the gospel is just wrapped up in one big nutshell. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 17. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Now, I think I might be safe to say that that is the greatest desire of, uh, for you. That your greatest desire in life uh, is to one day stand righteous uh, before God. And that this is your ultimate desire. And time for time, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think that uh, basically I'm a pretty good guy until someone annoys me. Uh, uh, and in which case, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, act like a child, but from time to time I hear misguided people say that, you, you know, Frank, when you take all the great religions of the world and boil them down to the sheer essence, they really basically say the same thing. And, uh, there's nothing much that, that, uh, that, that, uh, uh, gets my righteous indignation going more than when I hear something like that. Uh, every other religion that I know of uh, leaves me cold and leaves me kind of helpless. Uh, you, you name it. The Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant, the Muslim code of law. What am I leaving out? I don't know. But each of these religions tell me that to to get ready to meet God in the final analysis that I, I need to tidy up my act. I need to clean up before I can approach the Almighty. Uh, and w- with each one of these religions, uh, when it comes to God acceptance and approval, each one of these religions says in, in their own unique ways, uh, they challenge me to do it the old-fashioned way, uh, to earn it. And, and l- let me say that any religion that doesn't do what Peter talks about Christ died, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That any religion that does not bring you to God is not worth the paper that it's written on. It's not worth one red nickel, one silver nickel. Christ died for whom? The unrighteous. Now, that in and of itself is amazing. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, St. Paul wrote in Romans... Uh, perhaps for a good man or cause, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I, I, from time to time in, in hearing funeral eulogies, I'll hear something about your granddad or great-granddad just died and say he was such a loving father. He loved his family, loved his friends, loved his wife. When I'm sitting out there sometimes, I think, yeah, but tell me about the guy that, that, that uh, was difficult to love. Tell me about the guy whose dog poops in his yard all the time. Tell me about this uncooperative neighbor. Did he love them? That's what I want to know about. But see, this, this is the way Christ loved us. Paul says, perhaps for a good man, one would care to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know what it means to lay down a bunt. Uh, for our friend, we know what it, what it means to uh, give up uh, your, your last ticket to the lifeboat. We know what it means to, to die for uh, a good country. We, we, fortunately, we're capable, capable of those kinds of things. But our Lord said, Romans 5.6, is that Christ died for the ungodly. 
Had the driving force of his death been honesty, where would be the dying thief? Had the driving force of, been, of his death been chastity, then where would the woman who caught in adultery? In fact, had the driving force of his ministry been a loyalty, where would the author of Peter be? Had the driving force of his death been inherent righteousness, where would you and I be? So, is your greatest desire in all the world to be brought to God, then here's the most thrilling news uh, that I could possibly uh, uh, preach about, the most thrilling news uh, known to the human race. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And so tomorrow, I want to talk more about this. Because uh, as wonderful as that verse is, and by the way, it's a fait complete. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And that's, those, are sweet, those are sweet words. It is finished. But there's a great and marvel mystery about, about the gospel. And that's what I want to talk about tomorrow. Uh, and the marvel of the ministry is Jehovah Sidkenu. That's the Latin for the Lord is our righteousness. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe that the Lord is our righteousness. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds, the knowledge and the love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.